Hey, what is up, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to LifeCo. If you're watching online, we're so glad to have you with us online. Really glad to have you with us in person here today. Hey, um, I asked you how you're doing. Can I tell you how I'm doing? Um, my wife is out of town. <laughs> she is at a women's conference. And I have an almost six-year-old and a two-year-old in my possession. <laughs> and I'm in charge. So um, it, um, it's, it's taken about seven grown adults to replace what just Kenzie does. My mom's been helping. My mother-in-law has been helping. You know, like all the grandparents are involved. There's a schedule of handoff and pass off. And you, you're going to pick this up and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And then Scout yesterday, she wasn't feeling good. Um, I think she was just throwing a little fit or something, right? So I'm like taking her to the doctor, make sure everything's okay. The doctor's like, hey, your daughter is completely fine. I'm like, okay, great. So that's, that's how it's going in my house. My wife comes home tomorrow, so praise the Lord. She comes home tomorrow. So um, it's, it's been fun, y'all. It's been real fun. Uh, hey, I want to talk to you today about I Confess Part two, I confess, part two. Last week was an awesome week, first week of Life Co. It was so incredible, I, I really enjoyed it. I'm excited about where this is headed. Part two, the title of today's message is called, What is Truth? What is truth? Um, there's a moment where Jesus is, right before he's crucified, where the Jewish leaders, they they round him up, they capture him, and they take him to a man named Pontius Pilate. And Pontius Pilate is kind of the Roman authority. He's kind of the Roman figure, the leader of uh, Jerusalem, that area. And so he's there representing Caesar and the, you know, the, the empire. And so he's there, and they bring Jesus in front of Pontius Pilate, and they say, you kill him. And Pontius Pilate's like, I'm not going to kill him. Like, you guys, if you're going to kill him, do it according to your law. And they say, we can't. Our, you know, we're during, we're during a feast and a festival. We can't kill him, so we need you to kill him. Kill him because, you know, trust us. He, he should die. And Pontius Pilate's like, let me investigate this for myself. And so there's an exchange that is recorded in the book of John about the, um, the interaction that Pontius Pilate has with Jesus. Here's what it says. In the book of John, 1833, it says, so Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? Jesus is smart. He's not just gonna answer something head on that's gonna get him killed or whatever. He's, he's just, he's, he's smart. <clears throat> Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. Now, before I go any further, this statement needs to be digested by every person in this room. My kingdom is not of this world, okay? My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. I love that Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. I love that he says, my kingdom is not from this world. So good. Then Pilate said to him, so are you a king? Jesus answered, 
you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? What is truth? Pilate was the first postmodern. Pilate, Pilate should have been alive in 2021. That's when he should have been alive. Um, I, there's this idea that, you know, our world has changed so drastically today from the way it was forever ago. And I believe that actually the problems of the world have existed from the beginning of time, that from the, from the second man fell, we're having the same issues that we, you know, today that we had thousands of years ago. And when Pontius Pilate said, what is truth? That hits me really funny. As a Christian, I'm reading this and I'm thinking about the fact that Pontius Pilate is looking Jesus in the face and he's saying, what is truth? Like he is encountering truth itself embodied and he's saying, what is truth? Now this is a great question. What is truth? There's kind of the way the world views truth and I think the way that Pontius Pilate maybe viewed truth. He thought maybe, can truth really be known? Is truth really objective? Is truth really, like, what is even truth? Like, doesn't everyone just have their own kind of opinion and view of the world? Like, is there really such a thing as truth? In fact, um, our, our, our world today, maybe sometimes when we think about truth, this is how we think about truth. There's a bunch of people in the world. They're gonna be represented by these little circles on the screen, okay? There's all these little people in the world, and um, some people, every person has an individual truth. Every person has an individual truth. Some people are the green people. Some people are the red people. Some people are the yellow people. Some people are the purple people, right? Everybody has their unique individual truth. This is my truth, right? And groups and communities form around the different colors. These are all the green people. You know, they're living their truth. And all the red people, they're all together. They're living their truth. And all the yellow people, they're together. They're living their truth. The purple people, the blue people, they're all together. They're living their truth. And this view of truth is kind of like when we say this is true for me, but it's not true for other people, what we really mean when we say that is that I find it useful for my life, right? So sometimes people think when they think about religion, they think, well, Muslims are Muslims because they find it useful to them. Or Christians are Christians because they find it useful to them. It makes them feel a certain way. It makes them feel good. They like the way it makes them feel. And so we treat truth in this sense like, there really is no objective truth. Everybody has their own personal truth, and it just happens to be whatever works for you, whatever feels good to you, whatever connects with you. You're, you're living your truth, I'm living my truth. Now this is, I believe, the kind of world that Pontius Pilate lived in when he said, what is truth? What is truth? Now no serious philosopher, and certainly not Christians, have ever thought that truth was conceptualized this way. That truth is you have your truth and I have my truth, you have your view and I have my view, and they're both equally true, but you're living your truth and I'm living my truth. No one has ever thought that. In fact, um, there's kind of three levels of truth in Christianity. Okay, the first one is this. Uh, and actually, this isn't even a Jesus quote or a Bible quote, this is Aristotle. Okay, Aristotle said essentially that truth is 
what is. I'm gonna read this quote to you. He says, I love this. This is so good. This is the best quote, okay? Aristotle, to say of what is that it is not, or of what is that uh, not that it is, is false. While to say of what is that it is, and of what is not that it is not, is true. This is a philosopher. People go get PhDs in this stuff. It seems so basic, but it is actually a thing that we don't even accept a lot of times today. If I can put this in my own words, truth is what is. Truth is reality. It is what is. And I'm making a true statement when I say what is is and what is not is not. And I'm making a false statement when I say what is not is or what is is not. Are you tracking with me? Bill Clinton would have benefited from this. <laughs> well, it depends upon what the definition of the word is is, right? <laughs> Bill Clinton was doing some PhD philosophy on, on the witness stand, right? On the, he was doing some interesting philosophy there. Um, I, I, was, I was reading this Christian philosopher this week, and he said there are two types of philosophers. There's the first type that makes muddled things more clear and more simple. And there's the second type that makes simple things more muddy and more confusing. Okay? And um, he said that Christian philosophers, like Thomas Aquinas, like Augustine, like, you know, all these different people, that these people are the first kind, that they help make confusing things more clear. But the world we live in today, we got PhD students in philosophy that are debating over the word is and what is, I love Aristotle. What is, is, what is not, is not. That is the most basic level of truth. For me to say this is a microphone is true. For me to say that it's a gorilla is false. That is level one of truth. But the Bible takes it a step further and it says that it conceptualizes truth as light. Truth is light. Why is truth light? Because without truth, we're living in darkness. Without truth, we can't see anything. We can't make up from down. We can't make left from right. Like without light, without truth, we are just walking in darkness. That's why Jesus said in John, in the book of John, here's what Jesus says. He says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is truth, and truth is light. Now, uh, when I talk about this for a moment, um, you know, there are people who go to the beach, and they hide from the light, right? My friend Greg just raised his hand. He's the whitest person I know. And... When he goes to the beach, you know, he's the kind of person who's got full clothes on, he's got the, the tent up, right? He's, he's reading his book or playing his Nintendo game or whatever while everyone else is running around at the beach, right? And he's got SPF 5000 on his body at the same time. <laughs> there are people who spend their life hiding from the light. In fact, I, I, I just heard this this week that when we are trying to hide from God, what we're really doing is we're trying to hide ourselves, we're trying to hide God from ourselves. 
When we're trying to hide from God, it's not that we don't want God to see us, it's that we don't want to see God. Because when you encounter light, it reveals, it shows, it illuminates. It shows me the areas of my life that are wrong. It shows me the areas of my life that are incorrect. And so I find it so ironic that Adam and Eve, when they're in the garden and they sin and they, they eat of the fruit and they realize they're naked for the first time, the Bible says that they take fig, fig leaves and they try to cover their nakedness and they hide from God. And at the very same time that they're hiding from God, they're actually hiding those those parts of their body that they now find shameful. They're hiding their shame. They're really hiding the light from their body at the very same time that they're hiding, God, they're hiding themselves from God. And so truth is light. What is beautiful about light is that it shines, it reveals, it shows, it illuminates, it shows us. The Bible says your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Truth is illuminating. It reveals it shows truth is light. So truth is what is, but truth is also light. But the Bible also tells us that truth is not only what is, it's not only light, it is a person. Truth is a person. That person is Jesus. You know, there's a lot of people who, um, who religious thinkers or people throughout the world who say things like, my teaching is true, my thoughts are are true, you know, this idea is true, or that thing. Jesus is the only religious leader ever who, who has said, I am the truth. I wanna read this verse to you, it's in, it's in the book of John, he says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Leave that up for just a moment. No one comes to the Father except through me. A lot of times when I read this verse, what I tend to think about is I am the way, and then I think about I am the life. And I think no one comes to the Father except through me. Of course, he says he is the way, the way to the Father. But if you put all that together for a moment, he's also saying that the truth is the only way to come to the Father. He's not just saying that the way is how to come to the Father. He's saying that, the, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. You're not gonna get to the Father without the truth. Why? Because God is himself true. He is faithful. He is true. He is perfect. He is almighty. Now, how can we say that he's true? In the same way that we say that God is love, we say that God is true. It is his nature. It is his being. I heard someone say this week, no one is going to ever come to heaven. No one is ever going to enter heaven because someone told them a lie. Only truth will lead to heaven because heaven is full of truth. Heaven is the place where God Almighty reigns, where it literally never goes dark because we are covered and bathed in light, in truth, and God's goodness. Now, what makes me sad is I feel like the world that we live in um, is bumping around in darkness. They're bumping around in darkness, and a lot of times we ourselves, we're bumping around in darkness. Uh, I had this time, one time with, with my buddies. We were writing a song. We were writing a, a show um, for Christmas, and it was The Light Will Scare Away the Dark, and we were trying to paint this picture that Jesus was gonna scare away the darkness, right? And so my buddies, Chris Gibbons and Adam Hasek, we were like, we're gonna go to one of those float zones, and we're gonna get into those tanks. I don't know, has anyone ever done float zone before? Yeah. Okay, so... 
what you do when you go there is you get into this tank. First of all, you take all your clothes off, so you're completely naked, okay? Um, three separate tanks, not one. Don't be a pervert, okay? Um, three different rooms. Three different rooms, okay. So you go to three different tanks, three different rooms. You take all your clothes off. You get in the tank, so there's, no, there's nothing rubbing up against you. There's nothing, you get in the tank, and the tank has this pH level and this salt and whatever so that you float. And uh, then you pull this thing closed, and you can either leave music playing or you can turn it off, and you can leave a light on or you can turn it off. I turned off the light, I turned off the thing. Why did we do this? Because we were trying to go, what happens to somebody when they're exposed to darkness for too long and there's no light? And so we're in the tank and we're just laying there. And for me, when I got out, I was like, whoa, that was cool. Like that was, that was a weird experience. I started hearing stuff that wasn't actually there. And I started seeing shapes that weren't actually there. And I started, you know, all this stuff. And Adam was like, that was so crazy. That was so cool. And Chris came out and was like, I saw some stuff in there. Like, he literally would not talk the entire drive home. We were like, that was so cool. And Chris was like, I still wonder if it permanently scarred his soul. What happened? I was hearing stuff and I was seeing stuff. That's what darkness does. When there's no light to illuminate things, you see things that aren't really there. You don't see what is really there. And so what truth does is it illuminates, it reveals, God speaks. Um, the search for truth, by the way, is not like the search for food, okay? When you search out a good meal or when you search out food, you, you get, okay, you get the pizza, okay? You get the pizza, you eat the pizza. And when you eat the pizza, you consume it. It becomes, literally your body breaks it down and it turns it into molecules that go into your body and it becomes a part of you. That's why people say you are what you eat. Because when you eat it, literally your body breaks it down and it becomes a part of you. Now, the search for truth is very different than that. When you find truth, you are the thing that is consumed. You are the thing that is changed. When you encounter truth, you don't come to truth and digest it and it just become a part of you. When you come to truth, you look at light and you go, wow, I am wrong. There's something about my life that is off. There's something about, you're the thing that changes. The Bible says that God is a consuming fire. He's a consuming fire. The thing about fire is when it actually consumes, the molecules themselves break down, they change. They change into something different. When God wants to make you and I into a new creation or a new creature, he's gotta shine his truth on us. He's gotta shine the truth on us because the truth is gonna be the thing that's gonna change us into a new person or into a new being. Truth is what is. Truth is light and truth is a person. So let's go back to our little people for a moment, our little circles, okay? All these people, um, the real way to conceptualize truth and to look at truth is that truth exists independent of me. All these little people are living in a world, not that, God is not living in a world that I created, I am living in a world that God created. Truth exists outside of me. Truth exists independently from me. If I cease to exist, God's truth will continue to be true. Right, if I agree or not, God's truth is true. If I admit it or not, it is true. I'm living in a, in a world. So all of these people now, you really only have two options. You can accept the truth and have the truth in you, 
or you can reject the truth and be in darkness. There is no such thing as, well, all the green people, well, that works for you, that's your truth. And all the purple people, oh, well, that's your truth and it works for you. And all the red people, oh, that's your truth and it works for you. No, there is the truth. I don't want you to be a Christian because you find it useful. I don't want you to be a Christian because it makes you feel good. I don't want you to be a Christian because, um, okay, I like the way I feel when I leave church on Sunday. I want you to be a Christian because it is true. I want you to be a Christian because Jesus really lived, because he really spoke, because he really claimed to be God, because he really died, because he really is risen. That's why I want you to be a Christian. It blows my mind when I think about the fact that the Bible was written over thousands of years by several different authors, several different people are writing, and yet from the very beginning, Jesus is the, like, read Genesis chapter 3. Read Genesis chapter 3. From the beginning, God is promising that Jesus will come, that Jesus will be there. So, man, how do you write a story thousands of years before and point to the truth that's gonna come thousands of years later, if not that it's divinely inspired by God. The Bible is crazy when you read it. Sometimes, sometimes we, we, we think of the Bible and we think of it like, well, yeah, it's a cool, interesting story, or man, that's an interesting thought, or that's an interesting you know, story, but there are also other good stories. Man, this thing was written over thousands of years. The plot line had already been, been laid. The plot line had already been laid. How is it even possible for that story to have just emerged out of the human mind? It didn't. It came from the truth. It came from God himself. There is not my truth and your truth. There is only the truth, and I can either walk in the light or I can walk in darkness. Now, I know some of you right now are like, okay, Kyle, but what about subjective truth? Okay, what about subjective truth? What about um, uh, it's hot in here? It's cold in here. Well, that's true for me, but it's not true for you. You know, it's hot in here to me, but it's cold in here to you. Or, um, you know, I, this is my football team. That's your fo- football team or whatever. And I think when we talk about subjective truth, what we're really talking about is opinions, yeah. feelings, yeah. perspectives, yeah. moods, perceptions. You know, in German, you wouldn't ever say, German, the German language is a lot more precise than English. Germans are just built that way, okay? And in German, you would never say, it's hot in here. You wouldn't even say, I'm hot. Because if you said, I'm hot, someone would touch you and go, oh my gosh, are you okay? You, you are hot, right? And you wouldn't say, it's hot in here. The German language, or if you would say, it's cold in here, you would say, es ist mir kalt, which means, it is to me cold. That's the more precise way to say it. It is to me cold. Why is that so precise? Because it it acknowledges that it's a relative idea, that I think it's cold, but that doesn't mean that it's cold. You know, for you, it could be hot. For me, it could be cold. Really, in that realm, we're not talking about subjective truth. We're talking about feelings, opinions, moods, perspectives. Well, this is my perspective. Well, this is my opinion. Kyle, are you saying that opinions and perspectives and moods are not important or they're not valuable? No, I think we should love each other and respect each other's different point of view and I think we should honor each other and 
hey, I, I love that you have a different perspective than I have. I love that you have a different thought than I have. But I would never elevate my opinion to a status of truth. I would never elevate your opinion to a status of truth. I wouldn't even call it subjective truth because now you're, you're elevating it to a place almost as if my opinion and my perspective holds the same validity as what is is or God or the truth. Are you tracking with me? And so I, I think it is, it is so a proof of our self-worship in the world that we live in today. It is such a proof of our self-worship that we have phrases like, I'm living my truth. Because what it asserts is that my feeling and my perspective and my opinion is on the same quality and the same value as the truth of God itself. Just by even using that language, I, I'm, well, I'm living my truth. Now, I, I don't wanna make you feel bad if you've ever said that before. Um, this is a chiropractic adjustment, okay? <laughs> that might have popped really loud for you, but it's back in place. <laughs> um, well, I'm living my truth. I wanna, I just wanna like, I'm gonna use a Blake phrase for a second. I'm gonna freak your bean, okay? I'm gonna freak your bean. Some people have big brain but you describe yours as a bean. Yes. So, okay. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, it is impossible to live your truth because your truth doesn't exist. It is only possible to live your lie. <laughs> it is not possible to live your truth. It is only possible to live your lie. Truth exists outside of me. It existed long before me. It'll exist whether I take another breath or not. It exists whether I agree with it or not. Truth is truth. It is light. The sun doesn't cease when, you know, the, the sun is shining. It is light. It is true. It's not possible for me to live my truth. I can live my opinion. I can, I, I you know, I, when I married Kenzie, I literally, the night I was asking my in-laws if I could marry Kenzie, my father-in-law is like, this family is a Dallas Cowboys family. <laughs> and so, yeah, you, and I'm like, I don't care about football, so yes, amen, right? You know, we can live our opinion. We can have Dallas Cowboys all over the place. We can name the dog Dallas, literally we did. Not our dog, their dog. You know, we can, we can have Dallas around. But that's not truth. That is opinion. That is perspective. That is, that is, that, that's not truth. Okay, I feel like this is so important. I feel like this is so important because in order to even be a, a Christian, you have to have a love and a desire for truth. Not just for feeling, not just for emotion. In fact, Jesus says that in order to worship correctly, we have to worship in spirit and in Truth. I want to talk to you for just a second about the relationship that we have to truth. The relationship that we have to truth. All throughout scripture, I'm not going to read all of these scriptures right now, but all throughout scripture, there's different ways that the Bible talks about how we're supposed to relate to truth. We're supposed to worship in spirit and in truth. We are supposed to speak the truth. The Bible says God hates a lying tongue. We're supposed to speak the truth. The Bible says that we're supposed to love with the truth 
and we're supposed to love people to the truth. Well, Kyle, it's mean to tell someone, you know, uh, Thomas Aquinas said, the kindest, nicest thing that you could ever do for anyone is to lead them to truth. Why? Because they're, without truth, they're bumbling around, not, they don't know what to do, they can't figure anything out, turn the light on for them. Just turn the light on. They will thank you. At first, it will burn. <laughs> You'll turn the light on and they'll go, ah, why did you do that? But then they will thank you because the truth brings me into a healthy relationship. It brings me, so we're supposed to love with truth. Um, we're supposed to worship in spirit and in truth. We're supposed to seek the truth. We're supposed to speak the truth. We're supposed to confess the truth. But I wanna read to you just this one moment here, just to talk about our relationship with truth. John eight thirty one says, so Jesus said to the Jews, who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Before I even get to the truth for just a moment, there's a prevailing narrative right now that Jesus' whole purpose to come was to establish kind of like an earthly kingdom, and that that earthly kingdom was to just free people of natural oppression. Jesus spits on that idea right here. He says, hey, I'm not talking about any physical slavery. When I talk about your freedom, what I'm talking about is I want you to walk in freedom from sin, I want you to walk in freedom from darkness. I want you to walk in freedom from spiritual oppression. He says, all those who are oppressed of the devil. Now, what does that do in our life? Will that have profound impact in our world and in our society? Absolutely. In fact, a Christian is supposed to pray every single day. We're supposed to be praying, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So um, should Christians care about what's going on in the world? Should they work to make the world more like heaven? Absolutely but it's because of our focus on the realities of heaven that earth is baptized. It's not because of our focus on earth, it's because of our focus on the realities of heaven that earth is baptized. Are you tracking with what I'm saying here today? Okay, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. There's three things here when it comes to your relationship to truth, your personal relationship, to truth. The first one is abiding in his word. The second one is obeying his word. And the third one is knowing him personally. What God wants for you and me is to abide in his word, to obey his word, and that then we will come to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I was having a conversation with Kenzie the other day. We were talking about just like life, and well, what if what if God's word says something and somebody doesn't feel like, you know, well, I, that doesn't feel natural to me or that doesn't feel like I should do that or, I, you, you know, I, that, doesn't, that doesn't align with how I see the world. And what I would say to you is if you really wanna come to know God and you really wanna grow in his truth, you gotta take his word above your feeling. You gotta take his thought above your feeling. Um, this is gonna be my example every single week until it becomes normal. Um, I'm gonna talk about working out with Edder, okay? Um, we did snatches yesterday. I've never done a snatch in my life, okay? 
a snatch is you have this big weight and you like jerk it up and then you do like a squat and lift it up. It's stupid, okay? Um, I want um, my physique to, um, to come into the same reality of Edder's physique, okay? I want my life to look more like that. When he says to me, we're doing snatches today, and I do the movement, and it is the weirdest feeling movement ever, and I drop the weight, and I fall, and I whatever, um, if I want to come to know that same experience that he has, I have to keep obeying the things that he does. Are you tracking with me? My relationship of growing in my knowing of God is gonna come as I conform to his way of life. As I obey his word, whether I feel like it or not. I don't obey his word because it's just useful. I don't obey his word because it just makes me feel good. I obey his word because I believe it is true. And because it's true, I have two options. I can live it as if it's true, or I can reject it and try to hide from God. But if I want to come into the light, man, I got to abide in the word. I got to obey the word. I got to, and then I'll come to knowing the truth, and the truth will set me free. Well, Kyle, you've rejected all this, like, personal stuff. Like, am I going to become, a, like, a zombie? Am I going to become, like, some weird, like, person who has no opinions or no thoughts or no... Um, I, I read this thing from C.S. Lewis this week. He said, if you want to be original, don't try to be original. If you want to be original, try to be true. And if you will be true, God has already designed you as an original. So if you will just try to be true, you will naturally be a one and only. There is no other like you. There is no, as you align with truth, you will be aligning with God's purpose, his plan, his call on your life, his purpose for your life. And so don't try to be original, try to be true. My, my pursuit is of truth. I wanna know you, God. I wanna know your word. That's our relationship to his word. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrap up with this, and this is gonna set us up for next week. It's gonna set us up for next week. Not only do we have a personal relationship to truth, but we also have a collective obligation, a collective responsibility with truth. And what is that? Um, when you have discovered light, when you have seen the truth, when you have um, understood, man, this is true. I don't just believe it because it works for me. I believe it because it is true. I'm not just a Christian just because I had a personal experience with God, although I did have a personal experience with God. I'm a Christian because I believe it is true. Jesus really lived. He really died. He really rose again. When you really believe that, when you really come to the place that this is just, this is true. This isn't just like my opinion or this, is, this isn't just my view. It's not like, you know, well, there's the Christian people over there and Christianity works for them and there's the Muslims over there and Muslims work, you know, and uh, Islam works for them and, and, you know, there's the Mormons over there and Mormonism works for them. That's not how this works. There is the truth, and that is the truth of Jesus. We have a collective responsibility of truth. The church is supposed to be the place, it's like the ark in the Old Testament. The world is, is in a flood. Things are being washed out, and the church is the place where um, 
animals, nature, uh, people entered in, and that ark saved, it protected, it, it shielded, it, it, um, it kept safe those things while they were on that ark. The church is supposed to be the place that loves truth, that upholds truth. The worst, okay, this, this, this is gonna set us up for next week. The worst kind of darkness, the worst kind, is not an apathetic darkness where you just don't care. Like, you know, a lot of people are like that. They just live their life, they don't really care if they're in the light or not. The worst kind of darkness is when you have a hint of the light, but you're twisting it to mean something that it's not supposed to mean. You're, you're, that's, that's in Bible language or in church language, that's called heresy. Heresy is when we say, okay, I like Jesus, but I'm gonna change who he really was. I'm gonna get his words to say what I want them to mean. I'm gonna get him to be the Jesus I want him to be. I'm gonna get him to be the Jesus that makes it right for me to say this right now. Or I'm, I want him to be the Jesus that makes, that's when we get into heresy. And the church has a responsibility, number one, personally, that my personal relationship with the truth is correct, that I'm a seeker of truth, that I'm a lover of truth, that I, I, I seek after truth. But number two, that our church is a place that is true, that isn't walking in heresy. Why? Because I believe, I, I just heard this from Peter Kraft. He's, he's a great thinker. I, love, I read him all the time. He's so brilliant. He, he, he said that the church is the only thing standing in the way of the total collapse and decay of civilization. And I think, if I can just say this for a moment, we try to entice people into church by telling little bits of the truth but not the complete truth because we think that they don't want the complete truth. But dude, when you're in darkness, you know what's so good is to have a lighthouse shining bright to have a city on a hill that is shining bright, to have people that are reflecting God's goodness and his truth in, into the world, to have people, the church has a responsibility. You don't just have a responsibility for you to walk in truth. You have a responsibility for other people that you walk in truth. Because if you're not walking in the truth, man, people are just, they're living in darkness. That's why Jesus said, do you hide it under a bushel? Do you hide the light? No, you let it shine. You let the light shine before all men. Why is that? Because then they will see, it, it will be revealed to them. They'll see the truth. They'll experience the truth. This is my prayer for our church is today that you would come into a relationship with truth where you're not just coming to church just because it feels good or just because you like it or just because you enjoy it, but because you really believe, man, this is true. And I want you to come into a relationship with truth where you're passionate about truth. I heard someone say that um, when a scientist discovers a formula for something or discovers you know, some new planet or some new thing, what they're really encountering is the mind and the creativity of God. And so even people who are, who are seeking out natural truth, Thomas Aquinas said that theology will lead you to God, but unbiased science will also lead you to God. Because he's saying that when you really start to explore, you go, man, there is a mind. There is a truth. There is. So my prayer for you is that we would become lovers of truth. That we would become lovers of the truth. 
that we would stop elevating our opinions and our perspectives to the level of truth and just let them live on a lower shelf. Let them just live on a lower shelf. It's okay. I love that, that moment in Inside Out where they, if you've ever seen that Pixar movie, they're in a mind, they're in this girl's mind and they bump into these boxes and everything spills and the guy goes, oh no, these facts and opinions are, are all mixed up. I don't know which is which, right? I don't, know, I don't know how to tell the part between facts and opinions. They look so similar, right? We have to be better about just saying, you know, that's just my perspective. That's just my opinion. That's just my view. You don't need to elevate it to a status that everyone must worship your truth. Everyone must obey your truth. Everyone must, no, that's just my view. That's my feeling. That's my opinion. That's, my, that's what I think. That's what I feel. But let's elevate truth back up to its proper place. Let's be a place that shines the truth brightly and loudly, that the church would be a beacon of light, that the church would be a city on a hill, that the church would be a place that cannot be shaken, that the light would never go out. That's my prayer for our church. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much that you are truth. Truth is not just reality. Truth is also a person. Jesus, you are truth. We follow you today. We love you today. We worship you today. God, as we go into next week, we're gonna talk more about laying down some, some pillars of truth, like the apostles created, a, um, or uh, the early church leaders created the apostles' creed as, a, as pillars of, of truth to make sure the church doesn't fall into heresy. God, we love your truth so much that we want, we want to learn it. We want to grow in it. We want to live it. We want to dwell in your truth. God, help us today to repent of making our will and our emotion and our feelings so important that we've elevated it to the status of truth. Help us today to elevate you to the status of truth. God, I get back down on my knees and bow before you. I'm not gonna stand up in your face and say, I can be God. No, I'm gonna get down on my knees and I'm gonna worship you and confess that you're Lord. You are true. God, we thank you today. Help us to all be people of the light, not of the dark. In Jesus' name, come on. Everybody said amen.